Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. I'm Dan Ronson, joined by Matt Kendrick in his, what's that, 98, 99? Uh, I feel unnecessarily chipper this morning. I don't know why. It was a long day at work yesterday and a long night going to Villa Park to sit and watch a, a pretty drab one-all draw with Burnley. Um, but, you know, like I said in the, in the previous podcast, I missed Saturday due to COVID. Which kind of wanted to appreciate going to Villa Park a little bit more, you know, take it all in. It's the last home game. But I'm going to sit here and complain that one all against Burnley is pretty rubbish. So. I'm glad that it's really changed the way that you think about things. Now you have to miss the match. Now you've been back, you realise you didn't miss it at all. Brilliant. That's the, <laughs> what a conclusion. Yeah. Um, your kind of summary, your thoughts on the game, is, is, is drab the right word for it or not? Yeah, Aston Villa don't do Aston Villa don't do draws, do they? Until they do. You wait, yeah, you wait for a draw to come along and then two come along at once. Um yeah, it was it was it was just a little bit flat, wasn't it? Really, it was. I know Burnley still got plenty to play for. Aston Villa seemed as if they. Not, I wouldn't say they were on the beach, but you just didn't. There was a, there was a time, probably for the first fifteen minutes, where we kind of kept them pegged back, um, won a few corners, and they're under pressure and defending quite desperately for the first ten or fifteen minutes, and then mm. they got a foothold in the game, um, and then it just became came a, a little bit hard to. To get past them, to be honest, you know, trying to trying to hit long balls up for Ollie Watkins, not really going to have much of a chance uh, against those big centre halves. Nor is he if you kind of crossing crossing head hard from the from the from the channels. And yeah, I just thought it was um, it was it was a little bit flat. And you know, we'll get onto it, I'm sure, later. But the the lap of the lap of appreciation, you know, it's already gone. Whatever o'clock. Uh, not the same as on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon when the, mm. the players are all bringing their, their, their kids on and the sunshine and you know the players were still bringing the kids on and I was thinking well tapping the watch thinking these, these kids should be in bed this is this is outrageous <laughs> um, but yeah it was it wasn't the the, the, the swashbuckling end to the season that we we hope to see at um at, at Villa Park but it, probably was a metaphor for the season in terms of you know there were good bits there were there were bad bits, uh, and ultimately it was all a bit meh, um, which I think probably summed up last night and the season. Mm, yeah, that's fair. I mean, this probably says more about me. I'm, 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 a, I'm a poor fan compared to you. I didn't stay for the lap of appreciation. What are we appreciating? Unbelievable. We're appreciating our heroes who go out there and, and entertain us, who give blood, sweat and tears, who leave everything on the pitch. Uh, to be fair, I've got this thing, and this is a little superstition, I think, actually, more so than anything. If we are not winning, <laughs> again, this is everything about how fickle I am. If we're not winning, I don't clap the players back out at half time. <laughs> so when Gerard walks past and everything, I just I don't clap or anything. So I think, well, you're not winning, so deal with it. Make me, you know, make me support you. I mean, that's terrible, isn't it? Really? You know, um, before, <laughs> it's a superstition well, now. I've just, if, if we're losing or we're drawing at half time, I just don't clap because I think, well, I've never done it, so I'm not going to do it now. That's not a superstition. That's, <laughs> a, stu- that's a stupid stition, if there is such a thing. It's, uh, we mentioned before, you know, the old, the old Gitsu sit up in the um, the Royal Box in the Muppets, Stabber yeah. and Waldorf, and who complain about everything. That's like you, that is. That like, Entertain me. That's not me. I'm not, I stayed and applauded. Yeah, I mean, if it was a Saturday three o'clock, it's slightly different. Yeah, I'm thinking about the last train home and getting stranded. Oh, I don't really care. I've seen pictures of it. It looked nice. It's a nice little moment, but I wasn't the only one who walked out early. Just put it that way. Um, Miserable let's, kid. Let's rewind back to, what, seven o'clock team news, as always, and a little bit more to talk about here than maybe um, some podcasts. All a little bit different, wasn't it? Chopper Maker gets a start. It's not two strikers up front. Um, 
Chambers was obviously the, the change that we knew was going to happen. But yeah, talk me through that. I was a, a little bit surprised to see some of those names. Yeah, we're parking up and the, and the team news came through and like my son was reading it off his phone, blah, blah, blah. And it took me a while to work out the configuration of, of how we're going to play. And then it looked, you know, like I say, Carney, I think Carney started off the left, but I don't think Carney actually was providing much much width down that left. He was a second number 10, wasn't he, basically? Well, I think it was that. I think it was it was, it was Buendia and and Chukameka just playing, playing in behind Watkins, which I think limited us in terms of width, to be honest. Um, you know, we got Matty Cash down the right. I don't think there was much down the left. Jacob Ramsey tried tried to offer that that outlet down the left, um, but yeah, it was it was it was different, I think. But it, I'm not sure it worked spectacularly well. I mean, I've got this this theory at the moment that if Matty Cash and Luca Dean were rolled into one, you would have a very 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 good full backstroke win back there. Um, because Cash, we know this, we see it every week. Cash has got the energy and the pace um, and the drive to really bomb bomb down that right flank, but hasn't got the hasn't got the final ball. You know, he's got a whipped cross, but I, I very rarely see him look up and, and, and pick out a man. Whereas Luca Dean does have the delivery, has the sweet left peg, but just doesn't quite have the engine to own that. You know, that kind of left hand channel in the way that Cash does down the right. Um, but you see, I, I, I rate both of them, so that's not a criticism. Um, you know, perhaps if you had got a player who got both those things, then you might already be playing in the top four and top six mm. rather than the, the top fourteen. <laughs> top fourteen, Jesus. Um, I'm going to try and keep it. You know, I want to talk about fourteen, but let's try and go through some kind of order. Brendier starting instead of Coutinho, which I think was probably to be expected. He played against Burnley in the away fixture and Coutinho will probably play on Sunday, I would expect. He's definitely Gerard's first pick for games against Burnley, so he really <laughs> needs to hope that Burnley stay up uh, <laughs> on the last day. Um, yeah, he's deserved... You know, we've, we've banged on about him, haven't we, in recent weeks, that even the bits and pieces when he's come off the bench, he's you know he, he's made a difference and he's made an impact. So he deserved, he deserved the, um, the start. I actually thought... He's one of the better players throughout. I was gutted for him when he gave the penalty away. I think it was a stupid, mm. a stupid tackle and a, a stupid thing to do. A forward uh, tackle. You know, you could, you could, yeah, definitely. You could see straight away he knew he was banged to rights. Got to got his head in his hands. He he couldn't do the mock. You know what? I never touched him. God, he just. <laughs> you could see he was gutted with himself. Um, before that, he's not. He probably would have made it onto a highlights really if it was Leon, Leon Bailey, but it probably would have passed both, most people by. He did a lovely little kind of round the corner back back heel flick down by the Whitten Lane touchline. You see that in the first half. Oh, I don't normally encourage, don't normally encourage me number tens to to start playing uh, <laughs> playing those little tricks yeah. and flicks in their own half. But he did a beautiful piece, worth the admission fee alone. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I thought he, I thought he played. I thought he was one of the one of the brighter lights. Um, really gutted when he uh, gave the penalty away, and really, really chuffed for him when he was the man who who kind of atoned for it with a with the equaliser. Good as well. Yeah, it was a good goal. It was um, it's a great run to be fair. And I thought McGinn, I thought some of McGinn's passing was, mm. was brilliant. I mean, I think some of his set piece deliveries when he was on he, a couple of free kicks, he he, he overcooked. I think, uh, but but his his passing was was fantastic. And you know, I think he, he he played a little bit more advanced. Uh, Pulled out a few, a couple of saves, didn't he? From from Nick Pope first half. I thought the first save from Pope when McGinn put a bit of a curler in. I thought it was one for the cameras, but when when McGinn got that. hold of one, when he got hold of one ten minutes later, I thought that was flying in. So I thought that was a brilliant save. Mm. I'll just again, you know, a couple of weeks ago I said oh, I've got the ability to watch things back on another tab here. So I was just watching the goal back then as you were talking through it. When Louise plays the ball to to McGinn. Um, for McGinn to put the ball in for Brendier. Brendier's still in the centre circle. Yeah, like he's run from. He's just trotting outside of the centre circle when when McGinn touches the ball. So a run from the, from the deepest midfielder. I mean, I don't know why he's all the way back there to begin with, but it makes up for it. Gets in the box. Nice tidy finish as well. And uh, so that is a nice goal in the end. And McGinn, I think, got Ashley's man of the match. Would you agree with that? Probably would over the over the, the course of the game. I thought he listen. It wasn't a, it wasn't a particularly fantastic performance from Villa, um, mm. but I thought I thought McGinn was was as good as anybody. So yeah, that that, that sounds fair. 
Hold on, Ash. Um, yeah, good. Um, yeah, Nick Pope, I suppose he's the, the next portal call to mention. Is uh, You've got a bigger sample size here than I have, but that, and again, this is probably recency bias that I'm only thinking of last night rather than any further back. But that feels like one of the the better goalkeeper performances I've seen from an opposition goalkeeper at Villa Park. Yeah, I mean, I've got a slightly wider frame of reference and all I can think of is Hugo Lloris did pretty well um, <laughs> yeah. in the first half. I know we lost that game 4-0, but Tottenham took a bit of a battering first half from, from us and Lloris pulled off a few. Um, yeah, I'm sure down the years, these goalkeepers who have done more to thwart us than that, but I thought I thought Pope was good. I actually thought... I mean, it was a, it was a good run and tidy finish from um, Buendia. I actually thought he could have got a stronger hand. I mean, I'm being quite <laughs> critical here with all, all my my goalkeeping experience of playing in five side goals in the garden with my kids. Um, but yeah, no, he, he, if Burnley go down, I think Nick Pope possibly won't. Do you know what I mean? I think he might, might be one of the ones who's who, who snapped up and, and, and stays in the Premier League. But yeah, he, he, he played exceptionally well. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Because it didn't strike me as a performance where we did necessarily batter them but the fact that we're talking about Pope pulling off probably five really really good saves mm. suggests that and I think Gerard said this in his post match creating isn't the problem or it certainly wasn't the problem yeah. um, last night it's it's sticking those away um I think Ings did Ings Ings came on with his first had one just wide as well yeah. post as well uh, mm. so yeah looking back on it I don't think what I don't know. It's one, it, it didn't feel like a great performance, but the evidence in front of our eyes tells <laughs> us that we that we we created plenty. Yeah, me opening with this podcast calling it a drab performance feels very out of date. Ten minutes later, yeah. I've been quickly scanned through the highlights. Hope have the best goalkeeping masterclass <laughs> you've ever seen against Aston yeah. Villa. Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose it was, it's semi-similar to, to the argument we, we spoke about a few weeks ago that, you know, if you assess the league table and, and look at goal difference more so maybe than points, it kind of suggests whether you are in a, in a false position. Um, and Gerald's comments in the same vein that, you know, creating isn't the problem. It's actually putting the ball in the back of the net. Does that kind of alleviate any worries that you might have? That Because you know, if, if it was that you'd only create two chances all game, you kind of think, well, if we don't create anything, we've got no chance. If you create five, six, seven really decent chances and only manage to score one, yes, while that's disappointing, it's surely encouraging to think, well, on another day, we score two or three there and win the game quite comfortably. Yeah, I mean, we've had those other days, haven't we? We've gone to Leeds mm. and we've won comfortably. Mm. You know, we've battered... Burnley safe. away. <laughs> Burnley away, Southampton at home. You know, mm. lovely if we score three or four goals every week. It's not going to happen. And we've got the architects who can, can create. We've got Buendia, we've got, we've got Coutinho, McGinn shown that, that, that he can, he can deliver. If, when he, when he's allowed to get, get forward a little bit more, we should theoretically have those who can finish as well, because Watkins was prolific in the levels below. He's already, his Premier League return is decent so far. I think Danny Ings, has been one of the top scorers in the Premier League over the last five or six years. So, listen, of course, we're going to improve. We're going to, we're going to, I think we probably will sign, sign another centre forward, regardless of whether Watkins or Ings leaves. So, we will improve, but I don't think it's a massive, massive area of concern. I think it just needs the players that we have got to just deliver consistently, really. Mm. Um, talking about Chuck Maker a little bit, um, obviously, a lot of talk that the, the, Last six months or so about his contract expiring soon and and not not signing a new one, not playing at all from February onwards. I don't think, and then getting a sub appearance in in a couple of games, and then of course starting last night you know, a little bit out of the blue, but also kind of last home game of the season. Nothing really on it. You, know, you can afford to experiment to an extent. Is there anything you can read into that to suggest that? Gerard and the coaching staff know that he's maybe edging closer towards a contract and, and rewarding him with appearances now? Or is it kind of the other way around of going, look, we'll start to play you because we want you to sign that contract? Because if they know he's leaving, do you, do you start throwing him, throw him in from the cold when he's not played since February? I don't listen. It's a guessing game, isn't it? You know, the, yeah. my reading, my reading of it, <laughs> yeah, my reading of it would be that Gerard wouldn't waste that space. Yeah, same. If he didn't think that Chukameka 
you know, I don't think I don't I don't think Gerard wants to turn Chukamaker into a brilliant player for somebody else. Mm. I think he would rather give him experience because he knows that Aston Villa will will benefit down the down the line. Now, whether that comes to pass, I don't know. I actually think in terms of Chukamaker, and this is not it might come across across the criticism, it's not meant to be. I've only seen six out of ten performances from him so far, really. And to the fact that the lad's only played a handful of times and he doesn't look out of place in the Premier League, six out of ten might be, <laughs> you know, that, that's not bad. He, mm. You know, he, he, that that's decent. But I think there's something in there that really kind of waiting for him to explode onto yeah. the scene. You could perhaps argue that Jacob Ramsey's first half a dozen ten appearances in a Villa shirt were were similar. And then all of a sudden, just did explode into this this kind of midfield dynamo. And I know they're different types of player. But I hope he stays around because I think I think there's enough there for him to be a very good player. I haven't quite seen it with my own eyes. People probably watching him more through the youth team than I have and can say, well, actually, Matt, when this kid gets going, he's going to be a phenomenal player. I hope we get to see more of him. I hope we, mm. I hope we get to see his journey as an Aston Villa player because I think there's a lot more to come from him. I mean, we're doing our end of season kind of debrief review things special next week where we'll kind of talk about longer term uh, discussion points like Carney. So I don't want to go too heavy on it now. But you kind of do wonder what his personal trajectory might be and what he feels like he can achieve. You know, if he feels like leaving Villa is the option to go and play first team football in Germany, for example, or I don't know, even he's not going to go and play first team football in the Premier League. You wouldn't think he's not getting it at Villa. But is he willing? To go and drop down and play, uh, you know, League One loan like Jacob Ramsey was a couple of, a couple of seasons ago to kind of bide his time and then get back in at Villa. I'm, I'm not so sure what his kind of personal trajectory looks like. To me, and I'm not his agent, and if I was, I'd probably have, I probably wouldn't have my 1970s NHS specs on. I'd probably have some really, really <laughs> smart uh, designer specs. Where am I going with this? I think. <laughs> To me, his best two options are these. And you might say, well, actually, Matt, you haven't seen who's been on the phone to me. I've got I've got these options and these options and these. His best two options are to start Aston Villa. So we don't know what, what Villa's spending spree will be like, so we don't know what his opportunities will be like next summer. But he certainly had some opportunities this season under Gerard, who clearly rates him. Start Aston Villa, you know, learn from senior players in a Premier League squad and get better and get introduced to, to, to playing regular football and fight for a place there. Or go to one of the, the stronger European leagues where he might get regular football at a at a really high standard. I don't know what I don't know what what purpose it serves in going on loan, to be honest. And I don't know what purpose it serves in going to another probably lesser Premier League club and sitting on the bench there. I don't know. Mm. So one of those one of those two things. And I think if he does leave and he does go and play football in Europe and plays plays regularly, I think he'll come back to the Premier League. You know, I'm not saying it's the it's quite the kind of Sancho um kind of effect, but I think I think that could serve his career well. But why would he we buy a start me, but why 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 would he leave? You know Ten, you know, if you got ten starts and five substitute appearances for Aston Villa next season in a Villa team that's hopefully going for Europe, at the age of what is he, Dan? Is he twenty one? Eighteen now. Is he really uh, that young? Blimey, it's eighteen. Yeah. At, at that age, what more do you want? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. This is kind of the point I made. I mean, I'm just looking at his date of birth now. I've got a big list of players for social posts and stuff like this. Now I'm now at the age where I'm obviously a, a lot older than some of these players. He was born in 2003. I mean, that's mad, isn't it? Being born in 2003. So yeah, October 2003, he was born. So he, he was 18, October just gone. So he'll be 19 2003. when... 2003? Know, I, yeah. I think my best going out shirt was probably born in, in October 2003. <laughs> So he'll be 19, you know, a couple of months into the, the new season. I don't know, and again, we're probably getting a bit too in-depth for this and we're in it next week, but I kind of, I don't know what his pathway looks like. I don't know whether there is 15 appearances for Aston Villa next season and if he can go and get starts in a, in a European league somewhere else and thinks that that's me, that'll do, you know, all the best to him. I think if he stays at Villa, he's, he's not going to play, so he has to go on loan, but... Like if it's European football or like Swansea City on loan next season, battling for promotion, like is what do you pick there? 
Swansea's in Europe, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't really have the answers. I, uh, yeah. There's a lot of people saying, like, oh, you know, from what I've seen of him, he's not that special, so get rid. I think that's a little bit harsh. I think he's 18, starting in the Premier League, in a team that overall isn't really that good. So, you know, what kind of what are we expecting? Um, to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater because Villa have had a, a, a poor season and just say, yeah, let, let's bring Carney off is a bit short-sighted for an 18-year-old, in my opinion. If he, if yeah, he was Keenan Davis, leaves, 23, 24, it's a different story. Yeah, if he leaves, Villa can cope with that blow of him leaving. Let's not, yeah. let's not pretend they can't. But equally, I just need, think he needs to be be wisely advised to think, well, okay, what is what what is his career plan for the next four or five years and where's that best served? But mm. like I said, we'll leave that to his uh leave that to his representatives. Yeah. Um talk to me about Chambers a little bit. I was actually at the game with Pat last night. He came with me. It's weirdly the first time we've met in person. It's after you know, we've known each other for a year or so. He's tall, yeah. Deceptively tall, a bit like Max Stokes. Same glasses, same height. It's gotta be six one, six two. Um, so I kind of looking up at him like this. Um we had a good chat, and his kind of catchphrase from last night was, would Concer have done that? And this isn't kind of to get there to dig Concer out too much, but there's been a lot kind of made of Concer's passing stats in terms of him not kind of um, carrying the ball forward and, and moving things along quickly enough. And then Chambers kind of pinging diagonals left, right and centre, and he's keep, every, every so often he'll kind of nudge me and go, would Concer have done that? Would Concer have done that? And I said I was going to mention this on the podcast just to kind of throw him under the bus a little bit. Um, but... This is a kind of roundabout point of saying that I've been pleasantly surprised by Chambers. I didn't think he would barely even play for us. And now he seems to be our first, I mean, obviously his first choice centre-back with Conta being injured. But I think there's times where Chambers has deserved his place over a fit Conta as well. In fairness to Conta, you know, if you'd have stayed, Dan, if you'd been a proper fan and stayed till the end and, and seen the seen the parade. Seen the pictures, mate. So He was hobbling around on his crutch with a smile <laughs> on his face. Would Chambers have done that? <laughs> um yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because Conster was until until six months ago, Coles Royce defender, mm. um, and now now Chambers Chambers has come in. I mean, Pat Pat would probably had a, would have had a keener eye um, than me on on what what Chambers did. He does look he does look comfortable in possession. He does look like he can move the ball quickly. Uh, I thought Loughton had done him really badly at at, at first. Yeah, uh, I did. Yeah, I don't think there's malice in that, and that's probably a little bit of Aston Villa, former Aston Villa player bias in there. But from, from the way Matt Latton seen him play and the way he is as a guy, the, I don't think it was malicious. Uh, but I did think we could do without that. You know, if, if Conser's out for the summer, which if you're going to get injured, you might as well get injured during the, you know <laughs> the close season. Um, <laughs> we could cope with you know we could do without out Chambers going going coming to an injury as well, but. I like him. I, I, I end up repeating myself because I like the fact that we've now got three, three strong centre halves to mm. to pick from. Um, so was Pat was Pat kind of eulogising about Chambers then, or to, to an extent? Yeah, I mean Pat was. I don't know whether Pat will end up watching this. I hope he does. But he came with me in place of my dad. Uh, my dad was gone on holiday. Obviously, Burnley wasn't supposed to be last night, so he thought he'd be fine. So he couldn't go. And Pat was like a little kid at Christmas being sat so close to the pitch he kept saying he's like I could hear Gerard like talking and like a little excitable kid um so we're like t- yeah, 10 rows back of the lower trinity so he's kind of like looking around like a like a like a kid on Christmas like I said um but yeah we uh, yeah I, I did say to him at one point do you like kind of watch the game with a kind of tactical head on are you thinking about you know Douglas Ruiz has kind of only only dropped two passes tonight. Like that, that means his stats are good, or are you just kind of watching it. And he said, "Oh, to an extent, but I'm not so close to the pitch. Like it's hard to look at the shape of of, of who's moving yeah. and who's floating wide or whatever." And I'm just like, "Oh, I'll just take it all in, mate. I'll just rely on you to <laughs> give me some tactical insight later." Um, but yeah, it was good. It was a yeah, it was a nice nice evening at the Villa Park. Um, bought me a pint as well. It's so a fair play to Pat if, if he is watching. 11 quid for two pints inside Villa Park. I mean, that's outrageous, isn't it? I paid 670. Um, I paid 670 <laughs> for a pint uh, in Birmingham. On, oh, that's crazy, isn't it? it was. I can't remember what night it was. It Wednesday? That was Wednesday, I think you went, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was a good, good night. It would have been nice to see Villa win and score a couple more goals. I've, I've written the, the uh, email newsletter to go out today and it's like two games two draws, two goals against Palace and Burnley is a pretty meh way to end the season, but 
luckily we're not Burnley at the bottom fighting for every point. We're safe. Season's done. We go again next year, to quote Paul Lambert. I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> Bless you. One? Just a one-off single sneeze? Those are those are collector's items. They're normally a, <laughs> I'm normally a three or four man. Um, they're probably going to build up now. I've probably kind of... I've probably provoked my sneeze into coming back out. Um, what are we talking about? Yeah, well, we haven't ended the season yet. We've still got another game. No, no, no. Ended the home season. I mean... The, you know, two home games in a row it would have been nice to see a couple more goals and a few more points but that's the way football goes um, I want to talk about Tyrone Mings feeling a couple of different aspects first of all his performance last night I thought he was good um, and that block was saved a point I mean obviously Nick Pope's made a few great saves and, and that kind of saves them a point as well but that block is very very good for Mings and that, that is what he's good at Yeah I was chatting crap to my nephew on the way back to the car that's oh, I don't sound like you. And we're saying, genuinely, and we're saying that it's not going to happen, but you should have like a wild card, like a joker that you can play at some size through the season where a moment that's not a goal, but he's so good, can count as a goal. <laughs> uh, you know, whether it's a bit of bit of skill or whether it's like a block like that or a, a save, you know, you can just have that one that you can play it. Uh, and that would have been my one because so Mings, we win last night because Mings's block is worthy of a goal. Yeah, we get the goal. We'll stick the goal in there. Yeah, um, yeah. It was it was brilliant. To be honest, and it was. No, um, hang on. The only downside of that is that then Burnley would play their card and say that Mings block was good enough to be a, should have been a goal. So I can't see how it's too true. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not forty three <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, but the Mings block was worth a goal. Um, yeah. in my mind. I think the um, oh, what's the fellow? It's their big, big, big old beast, Tark- isn't it? Tarkovsky? No, no, it's a striker. Oh, the four Beghorst. Yeah, Beghorst. Yeah. That's the fella. Um, he should have buried it. To be fair, um, yeah. Mings. It's almost a to die. It wasn't like Ming, It wasn't like Ming, It just hit Mings though. Like he's stretched out. He's got his boot on it. Oh like, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think Beghorst would have would have thought Mings would have. Yeah, arrived in his line of vision and, and, and done that. Um, I don't know. I think it's a, a dying art, the, the art of, of, of brave defending. And um, mm. I remember having a row with um, a drunken row with with one of my colleagues from work a, a few months ago after the after Ming's the Ming Saka challenge that mm. that he got booked for, and everybody was saying it wasn't even a foul. Arsenal fans saying, you know, you jeopardised the life of one of our superstars and all the, all this kind of stuff. And him saying, and he supports he supports Liverpool. Um, him saying, well, why is Mings had to, you know, it's bad defending that, a, that a, a defender has to even go to ground anymore. As if to say, we've all got kind of Rolls-Royce defenders who can be that positionally aware and, and stuff that, no, sometimes players will be caught out by the ability of somebody else and they mm. will need to do that, that last ditch block tackles and all this kind of thing. And I almost think it's frowned upon that if your centre-half actually leaves do you know what I mean? Goes to ground to, to make a ta- tackle or a block. That's a sign of weakness. I'm thinking, where did that That's the game? <laughs> where did where did that come in? So Mings is great at that. Mings can do the the, the warrior side of things. He can do the last ditch challenges and stuff like that. And some people say, well, you know, if the positioning was right in the first place, you wouldn't wouldn't need to do it. Okay, yeah, I get that. It'd be great if everybody's in control ahead of events and can see all these things. Prevention's better than cure. I get that. But if you've got somebody, and I, my my lad plays centre half, and he's done all right this season, but they're still conceded loads and loads of goals. And I've said, <laughs> to him, Villa. <laughs> I've said to him, you don't do in like Mark at me again with my uh, <laughs> with my daddy uh, with my daddy pro you for UA for pro daddy license uh, in the back garden. I've said to him. You don't do it. Look, I said to him, like, Mings, Mings last night, that's what you need to do. There's going to be situations where you're going to get caught out. Somebody's going to have you for pace. Somebody's going to sneak up on a blind side and get the better of you. But you've got to really do what you can to mm-hmm. throw whatever you can in front of in front of the ball to, to stop it going in that goal. And I still like that. I still like that, that, mm-hmm. that type of defending. And I think Mings epitomises that. You know, people will say, "I think you're going to probably get onto the the Newcastle thing," and mm. Newcastle reportedly being interested in him and stuff like that. There probably are still weaknesses in his game that, that stop him from being a top four, a, a top six defender. But 
I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've spoken. I've, I've spoken at length about him in the past. How, how much I respect him on and off the pitch. I like. I think he brings more than the than Torren means the defender to that team. I think he brings a real kind of leadership and a, almost like a statesman like figure to to that team. Uh, I'd be loath to see him go, but I know that he he divides the he divides the fan base, doesn't he? Just before we get into that, there was a similar moment. I kind of heard the grumbles. Or I can imagine the grumbles of um, Mings clearing a ball into the away end. I think it was. It came over and he just hit it first time and it went into the stands. And yeah. you kind of think, I can imagine people going, Oh, he should be bringing that down and playing it out and starting a counter. My nephew said that he sat, sits behind yeah. me and he said, Why is he not giving it the goalkeeper? I think, Well, sometimes okay. just get rid of it though, because if he lets it bounce and, and, and slips over and we plays. concede. Yeah. So. I don't know. If, if, he, if he makes a mistake there trying to be too clever, he's slated for it. If he just puts yeah. it in Rose's head and we kind of reset, he's slated yeah. for it. Like, yeah, uh, happens to him and, and other players. Um, yeah, on the Newcastle thing, me and John Townley did a Facebook Live yesterday, so I've, I've tweeted a clip. So I've already kind of given an opinion on this, but not on the, the podcast feed specifically. So forgive me if I'm repeating myself at any point here. Um, Newcastle United apparently interested in, in Mings for a figure of apparently 35 million. And we paid, what, 26 for him, I think, in 2019, 2018, um, 2019. A, a backup left-back, essentially, when he when he signed for us for Bournemouth, not being played by Eddie Howe. So that kind of feels like a, a bit of a lazy link, really, to be linked with Eddie Howe's money-rich Newcastle. Um, now a centre-back for Villa, 100 appearances in the Premier League, I think, captain. And... I was coming out of Villa Park one day and somebody was like, I could hear people talking about how he's a terrible choice for captain and all these kind of things. And I can understand slating him to an extent of his playing ability and that he's, you know, is he a centre-back that's going to get us into to European football? Probably not. I'm not so sure if he, if he is. But if there's one thing you can give him credit for, it is his leadership and he's him being an ambassador for Aston Villa and he, who he represents. You know, I, can't, I can't think of a better person to be captain. If there's one thing he's good at, captaincy is good. Football, yeah, he obviously does make a mistake. He is inconsistent. That that that's football. We're fourteenth. Like, what do we expect? What I kind of don't really understand is, and these are all paper links, but McGinn with Spurs, who are probably going to be in the Champions League, Antonio Conte can spot a player. Watkins to West Ham, which we know Gerard doesn't want to get rid of him, but there's interest there. Europa League semi-finalists and Newcastle are heading into where we want to go with massive money behind them want our captain and centre-back. But as Villa fans, we go, yeah, all three of them get rid. They're not good enough. We can replace all those. And while I understand, yeah, maybe they aren't the players to take us to the next level, clubs that are in that next level are looking at them as options to have in their, their squad. And they might not be starting Toramings at Newcastle every single game or McGinn at Spurs every single game, but they see qualities there in them to, to want them at a, at a level we want to go to. So it's all well and good saying, yeah, get rid, but the Leon Bailey experiment is is cause for concern of, uh, okay, yeah, we might be able to replace John McGinn, but what if it's a Morgan Sanson who we replace him with? Oh, yeah, Champions League pedigree, French player, 15 million, good business that is. And then it's a Sanson or it's a Bailey, and we're back to square one with a squad where we've got four or five new players. We've lost our spine of, of players who, yeah, maybe aren't good enough, but are steady. And this time next season, it's not 14th, we're, we're fighting for it, it's 17th again. So I kind of feel like you're here for what you wish for to an extent, but also recognising that some of these players have got limitations. And that's my two-pound two point. See you later. <laughs> Very well spoken, Dan. Um, this is the challenge for your, your scouts, though, isn't it? This, yeah. is, this is your scouting. This is where you hope that kind of Rob McKenzie and you hope that, that Johan Lang are better than the Newcastle equivalent and the West Ham mm. equivalent and, and that kind of thing. Because it does beg the question, and listen, it is paper talk. We don't know whether there's any definite links in the, in some yeah. of the rooms that, that are flying around. But if the teams that you've just outlined do have probably similar ambitions to Villa, but might be like West Ham and Tottenham have obviously stolen the march on Villa, so they're in a, in a stronger position to start with. And, Tottenham look like they they're going to be in the Champions League as well. If they are looking at those positions, and they think that the likes of McGinn and and Watkins and, and Mings and so on are an upgrade on what they've got, 
where are we going to go shopping for our replacements? Mm. Like I say, and I'm not saying that it's not. Of course, there's going to be loads of brilliant players out there if we can, if we can do our due diligence on them and, and, and get those deals done, and you back the team that we've got within the team to to try and try and get get those things done. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it's an interesting one. We're probably always going to be harsher on our own because um, we see that we see that we see them. Mm. <laughs> it sounds a bit like sentimental, but it's like you kind of. Love your family, but you see their faults more than anybody else because you because <laughs> you live with them all the time. <laughs> Probably a little bit like that kind of relationship with our, with our own players. I mean, the Mingster Newcastle one I find interesting because, and again, it's squads and it's competition for places. But they signed Dan Byrne, who's a big, strong, left-footed centre half, who, from what I understand and the bits that I've seen, has been really popular there, has done a really good job, has been part of their revival. So does Tyrone Mings come to challenge him, to partner him, mm. to replace him? I'm not I mean, sure. They do, need, they do need reinforcements, Newcastle, and they will spend money. But, I mean, it, it, there's, a, there's a possible world out there where Tyrone Mings and Matt Target played together for a Newcastle defence heading for Europe that we deem not good enough at Aston Villa, who finished 14th. I mean... I understand, like I said, the caveat of, of Mings is inconsistencies and he does have his limitations, but strengthening, unless it's silly money, strengthening a potential rival with Boston Newcastle uh, competing for Europa League football at some point in the future does seem crazy. And there's, there's a comment here from Steve. He says Mings, McGinn and Watkins are the core of our team. Ditch them and it'll cost us £150 million to replace them. Obviously, we're going to get money for those three players if, if they do go. I kind of feel like we've got to spend 100, 150 million to supplement the people that we've already got. Never mind, replace some of those because we need a more in depth squad before we do anything else. Yeah, we're probably creating a problem for ourselves that we don't need to create, mm. I think, unless. Like, I'm not even saying Mings and McGinn will start. I'm not even saying McGinn and Mings would start every single game next season if we if we brought other players in, but to keep them around the squad to keep some kind of continuity there, I feel. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't see at this moment any real value in cashing in on either, on any of those three that you mentioned. When I mentioned silly money, any rough kind of figures that you, I'm not um, selling them. Dan. Don't start. No, this, no, no. I'm yeah, not. This is not a negotiating position. They're not for sale. But yeah, all right. They're the hypothetical scenario. <laughs> then this is podcast material. If you know, Newcastle got bucket loads of money, West Ham have obviously got decent cash. You know, if they come to you and say. 60 million for Mings. I'm mean, sure there has to be a point when you could suddenly go, Yeah, okay, he's for sale now. All right, yeah, I'll take 60. <laughs> okay, there we go. Very good negotiating. Would you take 35? Obviously, we paid, we paid 26 odd for him with, with bonuses. He's now an England international. He's played 100 games in the Premier League. He's our captain. It's four or five years ago that we signed him. Would, would you take 35 for Mings or is that not enough if he was for sale? Do you haggle like this when you're doing your weekly shop at Aldi? I'm just asking, mate. I mean, we're doing a podcast. I have to give some kind of questioning for you. Well, Ming's 35 million. Yeah. No. Let's, okay. let's open the bidding at 40 million. Okay. I'll, I'll agree. I still wouldn't sell him. And that's that, I think. Um, no doubt you and me will discuss this again on, on the end of season review. So, kind of, we've got a practice run at it there. Yeah. Um, I wanted to start mention a tweet. Than, start higher next week, though. Start 41. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I wanted to mention a tweet from Jamie Gray, son of Andy. Um, I don't know why I said it like that. That was weird. He says, although we're 14th, we're one win from 10th. Over the course of this season, we've thrown more than one stupid result. If we improve by a swing of two, three, or even four results, we'd be challenging for Europe. With only a couple of quality signings, you can see where six to eight points would come from. And I tweeted him back saying, stop talking sense. Um, in a time where there's kind of a little bit of uh, head loss maybe after a pretty disappointing season. But Watford have beat us twice. Like even reverse some of those points and we'd be a lot better off. Wolves beating us twice when we're ahead against them in that one game. The last two games, Palace and Burnley at home, if you, if you win one of those, like as much as it's been a disappointing season, add another 10 points onto us, which is pretty feasible. I know every team will have these things where they say, oh, if we didn't hit the post there or this goal was ruled out, we'd we'd be so much higher up now, whatever. But it does feel like we're not miles away or am I getting a bit carried away? I think that, isn't that just the nature of being a mid-table beast? Though? Mm. Isn't that the case with you turn your draws into wins and you turn your defeats into draws? 
and your three places at the table. That's the case case for everybody. I don't think we're a million miles away from challenging for the top eight. Um, mm. I think we can. I think we can do that. Um, I'm, I'm, it's really we'll get stuck into this next week, but it's been a really, really strange season because it's been a kind of boom and bust roller coaster. Because we haven't had too many draws until the last couple of weeks, we've tended to go win win three or four games, and you know the world looks like a rosy place, and then lose three or four, and you know we start comparing. Smith versus Gerrard win percentages. We start mm. saying, you know, Coutinho's had, and we're bad as anything. You know, we we, we chat crap most weeks. It's you know, Coutinho's had a had a few games, and you know, he's the the the, the best player we've we've ever seen. And then, you know, he has a couple of quiet games. It's like, oh, do we need? Should we sign him? Can we can we get him and Buendia? And then then Buendia comes in, and we like he's brilliant. And it's it's one of those seasons, and it's a very very simple analysis, but it is it's just consistency. Mm-hmm. Can this team find a way of? producing 90-minute performances. Like my nephew tweeted yesterday before the game saying, oh, I'd love to see a 90-minute performance from Wendy. I mean, I want Wendy to start and to stay out all game. Um, and I just tweeted him back saying, I'd love to see a 90-minute performance from, from Aston Villa, uh, alone yeah. from Wendy. I don't think we saw one of those last night from Villa either. Um, so can Villa find their level when even when we're not playing well, we can still grind out results and I'm not sure that we can I think sometimes when we play well we don't do enough to get a victory like you know or when we when we create like, like last night when we create well we don't do enough to get a victory and sometimes when we're off it we're properly off it and we don't mm. do enough to just stay in games and to and to, to grind out draws so in response to, to Jamie's tweet yeah it's, it's not beyond the realms of possibility not beyond the realms of possibility that this squad even yeah. without summer additions, couldn't have got into, you know, probably not into Europa League. Certainly into the top half, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a glass half full bloke, I think, uh, going into this summer. And let, let's see what, um, see what Gerard and the team can can do in terms of having a good preseason with the with the, the players that they've got and sprinkling little bits of quality into the squad. Yeah, I've flashed the league table up quickly, but the, the point about us being mid-table is pretty much anyone there from just about Southampton, but Palace, Newcastle, Brentford and Brighton, it's very tight between the four of us. They'll all be saying same things. If we oh, if we did just picked up three points against Villa, you know, we'd, we'd be much higher at the table, things like that. So, you know, us to be on, what, 50 goals scored, 51 conceded, minus one goal difference. It's very much middle of the road, isn't it? But as 18 losses, I thought it was 19. I thought we'd lost 19 now. Anyway, 18 losses apparently. And even if that's a couple more draws or, or the odd win here and there and you're looking at like 51, 52 points now and you're up in eighth and that doesn't seem impossible, does it, with, with this squad like you've just said. So hopefully with some summer additions, a pre-season, a proper pre-season as well, uninterrupted with that, with that international football and, and stuff like that. Uh, um, if we go off to a good start, then you never know what, what might happen. Um a good way for me to summarise it, and I said this to to um, Pat last night about Troy Ray specifically, and some of his chances last night. Is how I felt like the Roy Hodgson meme of him at the World Cup, where he's kind of looking and he's getting his hopes up, and his head goes down. That's how I feel about Troy Ray sometimes. But as a good metaphor for the whole season, you have these little glimmers of hope where you think something might be about to happen, but ultimately head ends with your head down and a bit of disappointment. Um, I'd like to see that little bit of anticipation and with a goal celebration in future rather than my head hanging in, in disappointment. It reminded me of the um, the Frank Lampard meme there. I thought there was never an evening more Frank Lampard meme-ish than Everton <laughs> last night, you know, the first <laughs> half, you know, kind of serious face and the second half breaking right into a smile. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, what, so how many points? We're on 45 points, are we? Uh is that going to load? Yes. 45, yeah. What did we finish on last year? 55. 55. So, you know, providing we beat Man City on Sunday, we're going to finish, <laughs> we're going to finish seven points short, which I think that's probably, well, we're going to finish seven or ten points short, which I think... We're going to finish ten points short, let's face it. It's a fairly reliable snapshot of, of the season. I think really, you know... 
lost the golden boy in Jack Grealish. Um, changed managers halfway through. Um, Matty Cash was our player of the year, which mm. I like Matty Cash, but probably, you know, even he would argue that he's not, not the, 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 the complete player yet. Uh, well, it says everything when a defender gets player of the year, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm listening. I'm not, I'm not, not, not knocking Matty Cash. I think he's, I no, think I'm he's not. Been, been a breath of breath of fresh air. Uh, but I think, cliche alert, the league table does not lie. And the amount of yeah. points that we've got, that, that points total in a different year might have dropped you down a couple more places or might have lifted you up a couple more places. But I think Aston Villa being a 45-stroke, 48-stroke, 46-point team, this season is is an accurate, accurate reflection. I thought mm. Gerard spoke really, really honestly and openly last night. I think did he say that that Villa were lucky that, that almost that, yeah, like yeah. the players and him were privileged to be at such a club, yeah, um, with such a fan base and delivering mediocrity. I think was that was that pretty much Put the, the message. Yeah. I think he was saying, um, and I think that shows. And not that we need him to show it because we know we know we know the cut of his jib. We know what he's here to do. Yeah, that just shows that he doesn't want to. You know, I thought that when he was he was involved in the the lap of lap of appreciation, and he was a little bit sheepish and a little bit. I thought, well, how many seasons has he ended the season when the lap of appreciation has not involved something sh- silver and shiny in his mm. hands? Uh, there can't be many, and I just thought it must have been a little bit, you know, I need more than this, and it's oh. on me. It's on me to deliver more than this. I like those comments. What I've said before, it's easy to, you know, dish out a flashy soundbite. You know, you got to see more proof of the pudding and you know, where we are when we break for the, the World Cup at the end of the year. What will tell us everything if we're still fighting around the bottom six of the Premier League? Yeah, I don't know how many games in the World Cup break comes. Is it 12 or 15 or 10 or something Not like sure. that? Yeah, you've got to be up and around there at that stage of the season to suggest that we're going in the right direction here ahead of, of that World Cup break. Um, just quickly on the Matty Cash thing, I also agree. Yeah, I'm not slating Matty Cash, but uh, it's worth research. I wonder how many teams in the Premier League gave a defender their player of the season. Like none of the top teams are going to have a defender because it's the goal scorers and the, the assist makers that win these awards. So it kind of says everything when defender is your best player because you're not going to give it to a Watkins or Ings because they've scored seven goals or something. No, no you know, I don't, I don't think it's the, I don't think it's the biggest surprise in the world. Given if the defender's been your best player, you give you, you give the defender the award. So just Villa have been just generally flat, inconsistent mm. and leaving us wanting, wanting more, not more of that, more of something else. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it without us getting too far into an inquest of, of what went wrong and that will be next week's end of season debrief when we'll have a chat for an hour or so about the season in its entirety. Um, have you got any nonsense which you want to go through? Because I've got a couple of things in front of me I want to mention. I don't think so. I wanted to give a shout out to uh, the guy who sits next to me. Um, or, or Are we getting the messages from the same place? I don't know. Something I think it's what, me. Is it, some, is it some Google Messenger group that people are nagging us on? I'm going to shut it down anyway. Um, yeah, no, I just want to give a shout out to a guy called Ben who sits on the end of our row at the top of the Trinity. Um, and his daughter, oh god, I think it's Zoe, <laughs> I think it's Zoe, but I'll turn my phone off. Um, yeah, Zoe, she's come back, she's uh, I think she's studies in the States, and I think she's a mm. an athlete as well, uh, in the States. And she she came back and arrived back in um. Back in Birmingham yesterday morning, had the treat of a dad taking her to Villa versus Burnley for a one-one end of season nothingness game. Uh, but yeah, big shout out to the core of fans around us. Really, and we've had this before, and we don't, don't, we don't. You don't want to dig out the annoying ones around you. <laughs> struck lucky with where we sit. There's a really, really mm. nice, nice group of group of people. So yes, hopefully, um, we all have our, all have our emails to renew. Um, so we're all going to do it. We're going to leave it a couple more weeks and leave the money in our own bank accounts rather than billets <laughs> for a couple more weeks. So sorry if that does affect the, the transfer spending. Um, but yeah, really, really, really lovely bunch. And mm. even though the season has been up and down and you know not quite as thrill a minute as we'd have hoped, it's been a pleasure kind of sitting next to the uh, yeah. the folks folks around me. Yeah, the guy on the end of my row last night said, uh, how, "How how are you now after COVID?" 
And I was like, I, he only knows that because I mentioned it on the last podcast. So I know that he watched the, the most recent one and I, no doubt we're watching this. I had a couple of shout outs as well and I was prepared for and have my phone off and I've actually got mine written down on a little piece of note paper in front of me. Rude. Old school. Uh, Waza and Badminton Dan, your pals who uh, who took me to the stadium. They, it was a nightmare for me to try and get a train. It's a bit of a silly story, really. Uh, obviously, my dad wasn't going. I don't own a car. It's really awkward to get there from where I am. So you thankfully put a word out to to Waza. I don't even know what his real name is. What is it? Paul what's or it? Yeah, what's his real Warren. name? That's Warren. Warren. Okay, Waza. And then Badminton Dan. Then? Because there's loads of Dan's, apparently. We, we're not having... See, that, that nickname. Um, you saying those nicknames. Do you watch Afterlife when there's the old... Um, mm. Dennis Penny's character and he's talking about all of his nicknames or all the offensive <laughs> nicknames and stuff like that. It just reminded me of that for some reason. Um, was there, was there is, these are a couple of lads who play five-a-side with me, uh, mm. the veterans five-a-side on a, on a Sunday evening in Oldbrook. And um, was, was, a, was was a good lad. Big Stabish Town. Um, big Stabish yeah. Town. So I did, is it Stabish Town? Yeah. Stabbridge Town. I think it might just be Stalbridge, actually. Yeah, Stalbridge FC. Big fan of Stalbridge, so I didn't. I was a bit reluctant about you being a Yelts man being in his car. <laughs> uh, I didn't mention that. No, and, um, I, took, I took a bottle, of, a couple of bottles of beer as well to say thanks. I, had, uh, I think it was uh, was his sons as well. I think it was his yeah. uh, kids in the back. And it was, yeah, nice guys. We had a nice, nice chat on the way there. On the way back, they dropped me at the train station. Uh, no one cares about this. They dropped me at Rowley, thinking oh, I'll get the train back to Kiddie, nice and smooth. So that's a nice, easy way to get back. And then I get to Rowley and there's no trains to get at that time of night. So uh, I had to get an Uber. So that was £22 on Uber from Rowley to Kidley. Should have found was, mate. He'd have, come, he'd have come and got you. Um, uh, he did say, actually, on the way back, do you want us to take you back to Kitty? And I said no. And I thought, oh, it might, this makes me look silly now. I'm stuck in a train, train, train station without any trains. Yeah, the reason Badminton Dan's called Badminton, by the way, is because he plays <clears> Badminton. Oh, is um, that right? Yeah. Well, the reason why we refer to him as Badminton Dan is we've got about six, we, there's about, 15 of us who, who turn up and stuff. Uh, but we've got about six of them are called Dan. Mm. So, Badminton Dan has to be it. differentiated by the fact he plays badminton. We've got Jason Dan. I don't know why he's called Jason Dan, whether, whether Jason's his middle name or what. We've got Dan Westbury, so we just call him Westy. Um, <laughs> we've got Dan Rock, so he's just Rocky. Is there any more Dans? There must be a few more Dans, but um, more Dans than a karate champion. <laughs> what I liked as well is what I discovered is that they call you Ken. So I'm gonna yeah, I'm not a fan of you knowing that, to be honest. Yeah. Makes now sound even more old money, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think one of them called you Ken Kenny at one point. <laughs> I like that. So yeah. I'm going to start calling Ken, you Ken from now on. Kenny That's Kendrick. Um, um, I'm, also, going to, I'm going to Man City with Badminton Dan on, um, oh, yeah. on Sunday. He's got me a ticket. Yeah. Also, the very last thing I wanted to mention, I don't know whether my dad will be watching because they have gone away. Um, he does watch occasionally, which is, I, I said I said to one point to mum and dad, it's embarrassing for some reason. I don't know why. It just feels embarrassing. Anyway, obviously they're not there. So he said, oh, you film a few bits on your phone to send me like the atmosphere and that kind of stuff. So I said, okay, I forgot anyway. And I was with Pat. But the one thing he said, this is so silly. I, don't, I really don't mean it to be disrespectful and not, neither did he. He said, can you do a bit of a video when they did show the dead people? And I was like, what? And he's like, you know, like when they did the remembrance thing and like all the ex-players that had passed away and stuff on the big screen, I just thought that was such a, a strange way of saying it. Like, can you just film the dead people bit? And I thought, that's not disrespectful at all. I don't mean it to the people that have sadly lost people this season, but yeah, it just kind of tickled me a little bit the way my dad phrased it. So I thought I'd mention it on this to hopefully see whether he watches the podcast or not. They, um, I thought they did a really... It it's a really, nice tribute, yeah, it is nice. nice Job yeah. of it to be honest, and not nice when the, the ground bring, breaks into to chance of holding mm. in the sky as well. So, yeah. a, and obviously, I've not been able to do that for a couple of years. So, it's people who passed yeah. away in the last two or three years. So, it was a, it was a not, not, it is a not, it's not a nice moment, but it is a, yeah, it's I know a nice mean. moment that you can, that Villa uh, take that time to, to reflect on, uh, on the people we've lost. So, and your dad needs yeah. to phrase it less clumsily. <laughs> yeah. Well, he only sent it to me privately, and it's me who's now told everyone else, but uh, just tickled me because I told Pat about it, and he looked at me as if he was like, What do you mean? And I was like, oh, This is this is just the reason. Um, but yeah, that's it. The last home game of the season. We've got one more uh, post match podcast today, which will be on Sunday, I guess. Villa Man City is on TV. It won't be with you, though, because obviously you're there. Um, so actually, I don't know how that's going to work. That's one for me to solve in the next day or so. Um, but we will do some kind of post-match podcast, whether it's Sunday afternoon or Monday morning, I am unsure. And then we've got our big end-of-season um, kind of debrief 
uh, on Wednesday, and we have got a link that people can send questions in and stuff, and I'll put that in the comments below. I'm trying to find it now, but I don't think I'll get it in time. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for watching this season for for the home games. Thank you, Matt, for joining me after every single match. It's It's been a pleasure and a nice return to reality. We were doing these anyway, weren't we, after the game on the whistle when every game was on TV, but it's nice to go to the game now and, and actually reflect on things in person together afterwards. There was one thing that I noticed last night on the lap of appreciation. It just made me chuckle. I don't think John McGinney's a dad, is he? Was it his niece? I don't know. Uh, John McGinn came out with a, a kind of young, little kind of toddler age little girl. And it was, uh, and they was trying to get a, a photo with him. I think it might have, I don't know who it was. It was a family member or it was, it was John McGinn's um, partner. Trying to get a photo of her. But the, there was a camera. I don't know whether it was like a, a sky camera or whether it was a villa AVTV camera or whatever, like a video camera. And they were trying to get her to look at this, that look down, look down the, the phone that was taking a photo of her. And she kept looking, looking at the video camera instead. And it, I just found it. Um, I don't know whether what, what you're like with with your fiance and with your family, but we are the worst family ever at kind of Instagramable photos. I mean, mm. mainly because we're all a bit weird looking anyway. <laughs> but, but secondly, because somebody will be looking away, somebody have an, have, have their eyes closed, somebody be you know, I don't know. It, it's not so bad now. Now you can take a hundred photos on your phone. In mm. you know, back in the day, if you you know, I'm talking a long time ago. This this must have gone through the generations. You'd have to take take a film, take a film camera, and to get mm. it developed. Like we must have, you know, we've probably got lofts full of just pictures of the tops of our heads cut off and us sneezing and blinking and stuff like that. But it was just it was refreshing to know. That even even celebrity professional footballers can't nail the kind of Instagram pictures as easily as we think think they look. Um, but yeah, that that that's it. I think from me. Yeah, the the flip side of that, I don't know whether I'm going to be able to load this quick enough or not. Um, is that there is professional photographers at the game capturing every moment, and there is a picture of McGinn with that child. Um, I'll try and flash it up if it'll load uh, quickly or not. So that, that is the the flip yeah, side of being a professional safety, footballer. Whereas me. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice picture. It's probably a bit older than toddler. Um, but whereas it's me, and I'm, you know, we're on holiday in bloody <laughs> Mallorca or whatever. I don't have that luxury of somebody rescuing <laughs> it after the event. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was it. It is. Listen, it is. It is a sweet, sweet moment when the the little ones come on the pitch um, and everybody can give give the players a, a little warm round. Everybody is still, you know, bothered enough to stay along down like the proper fans. Um, <laughs> Uh, overrated um, last thing I wanted to end on with is, is a plug as always like we do on, on the live shows now with which one do you want Peter with or 1982 or are you bored of both um, <laughs> why you plug them? which one have you got queued up I've got either I was going to pick something else um, <laughs> oh god go, go for 1982 again go for 1982 okay. well I was going to ask you, have you watched the BT thing yet the I haven't villains? yet have you Nah, it's on the BT Sport app thing on on the smart TV. I might watch it across the weekend. Did you hear that? What was he? My, I think it's my phone. It's my phone Siri saying what media would you want me to play? Because I've said app. I think, um, but yeah, I haven't watched it yet. But I will do want to. But no one wants to watch BT Sport. I can watch our Claret and Blue eighty two podcast. That's why I wanted to <laughs> get that. Well, like Dennis Morton was trying to plug that BT Sport thing all throughout our podcast, and we we just chopped those bits out. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but um, yeah, BT. If you are watching, we would like to share some stuff from that. So um, yeah, it's a great <laughs> film. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to play that trailer, Matt. Thanks for your time and with uh, your insight and nonsense as always. Thanks for the the comments on Facebook and YouTube for watching along live. As I said, we'll be back uh, over the weekend and next week. Uh, here's Dennis Mortimer. Take it away, sir. They had the trophy on the pitch and they were throwing it around to each other. I just felt that day angry. I just, no, I just felt <laughs> we're going to take this off you next season. The work rate from that team was unbelievable. Is, is that including me and Shorey? That's including everyone. <laughs> That's my get up for you and Shorey. I think he was a type of 
manager who would, who'd quite happily win every game 1-0, wouldn't he? Yes. You, it's like you, don't, you didn't want to win 4-3 or 5-4. No. No. It wasn't like that. You give nothing away. Tony didn't come in and uh, give any ultimatums or anything like that. He was, you know, talk, we, knew, we all knew Tony anyway. Uh, but Tony didn't need to say anything to us. He just needed to sort of be our in charge of us. Yeah. I felt we were in charge of ourselves. Yeah. Our destiny was in our hands. It, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't in the new manager coming yeah. in and taking over, you know. And I walked over to him, sat down next to him, and he turned around and he went, you were lucky. <laughs> <laughs> did you mean to hit the post with the shot? You know, from the yard out. And did you it, still warn him up about that and coming up no, the we don't, we don't wind him up. No, we, he scored the goal, listen. None of us care. God, I wish I had scored it. The best thing about it was, as, we, as you were speaking earlier, is that team is the best team the club have ever had and never will have. I mean, I just think to myself, you know, being captain, there's no way I could have gone up with a Bayern shirt on. I just knew I couldn't do that. And if you can go through a whole season and trust in each other, in fact, two seasons really, and trust in each other wholeheartedly, that is fantastic. We never had that again after, after the European Cup final. The team of 80, 81, 82, yeah, are true legends in Aston Villa folklore. And, and for me, like, that just makes us, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're history. And I love that. 